Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the show, the big show, the most critically acclaimed and important podcast that is recorded in our vehicle, and we are in the Silverado studio today, the big old farm truck, four-wheel drive, uh, very, very noisy, so we're sorry about the sound quality, it deteriorates when we're talking to you from the Silverado studio. It's not as good as from the Red studio. Particularly since we tend to take the Silverado studio over worse roads. <laughs> yes, and we're just driving out of the happening burg of Leonard, Missouri. Woo! Going north to our next stop on today's marvelous tour of North Missouri. So, welcome to the show. Today is. We have a, yet another mystery episode, but we're going to do a mystery episode with a twist. Dun, dun, dun. Are you ready for it? I was born ready. Okay. Our mystery episode is, it's a mystery episode, and you don't know what the subject is. That's what would be my mystery episode. Yep. So, here we go. We're going to have you pick the subject of the podcast live as our listeners listen, because I don't know the subject of this podcast either. Well, um, <laughs> uh, maybe you've forgotten because uh, you took a hard knock on the head not very long ago. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. That, that was a real blow. That's low. But, no, it's high. It's, it's high block. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking a hit to the head. I may be and concussed. Now you may be concussed. You may have a traumatic brain injury. And no, we really didn't set this up, by the way. Really no, did. it's just something I, I wrote a story on. An article. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll, so, hey, let's talk about concussions. You know, I'm a huge football fan. That's that's for real. I am a huge, huge, huge football fan. I love football at all levels. But one of the, the biggest concerns in football right now in a lot of sports and in non-sports as well is concussive injury. And it's a real big deal. And I've been hearing a lot about it over the last few years. So... Let's, let's learn a bit about concussions. Take it away. What are concussions? What do they do? Yada, yada, yada. I'll just shut up and listen. Okay. Basically, if you, there are two sources of uh, brain injury you can get from trauma to the head. And for the purposes of this discussion, we don't have to be persnickety about it. We can call them all concussive kinds of injury. Uh, one is when you bruise your brain. When the skull changes its momentum suddenly... The brain keeps going until it mashes itself into the front of the skull. And it actually bruises itself by slamming itself against the box it's in. That's like if you get hit hard in the head. Or if you get a whiplash type of injury. Those will cause bruising of the brain. Because the brain's slamming against the inside of the skull. Okay, and the, and the uh, clinical term for this is a bad thing. Uh, the clinical term would also be an MTBI or a TBI. M stands for minor, but the key letters are TBI, traumatic brain injury. Because they call it minor if you don't go unconscious, and they quit calling it minor if you do go unconscious. But frankly, that is more about how much it alarms the people who are around and taking care of you, not about the actual seriousness of the brain damage involved. 
you don't have to do anything to the skull, like crack it or break it open or anything, to have a traumatic brain injury because you've got a soft brain inside a hard skull. The other potential kind of injury, fortunately more rare, is when you tear a blood vessel or twist the brain enough that it blocks one of the channels that allow fluid to flow from one region of the brain to the other, the cerebrospinal fluid. If you break a blood vessel, you get bleeding into the brain, and the uh, blood pressure will push enough blood in there that first there's chunks of brain that aren't getting any blood flow, and that is what's technically called a bad thing. Causes stroke. And it also creates enough pressure that it mashes the softer brain tissue against the hard skull. And if you block the cerebrospinal fluid flow, you can also build up pressure from the cerebrospinal fluid, and that will start to mash the brain and compress the brain and gradually develop more and more brain impairment. And the fluid pressures building up in the brain are a slower developing kind of brain injury. So you don't always see the signs and symptoms right after an impact to the head. Sometimes they kind of creep up on the person over the hours after the injury's taken place. So, there you have your two main kinds of brain injury that you're most likely to see. Okay. How you know you got them? Well, the old standbys do work to some extent. You know that bit where you're asking somebody... What day of the week it is, where are they, uh, where are we, uh, what's the score of the game, stuff like that. Uh, those can reveal cognitive impairments, would be the technical term. But it can depend on what area of the brain was damaged. If you damage further back, you might not mess with people's memory and ability to think, but you might mess with their uh, balance and coordination. You might mess with their sleep centers, so they develop a sleep disturbance. Either they want to sleep all the time, or they can't get to sleep at all. You can develop memory problems. Uh, sometimes you even develop emotional problems from these guys. It all depends on where the injury is. So the best way to, to know if you got one is actually to test out somebody's mental faculties while they're in good shape, and then use the same test on them after they've taken something that you suspect may have caused a brain injury. I remember an incident once. I was playing a sport that... It's a collision sport, frankly. And usually those collisions don't involve the head, but occasionally bad things happen. Somebody took a hard blow to the head... They were trying to assess if she had a traumatic brain injury. And somebody asked her what the name of the vice president was. And somebody oh, yeah, whispered in the this. back. I was there. Yeah. I was there. Salty was there. <laughs> somebody whispered from the back, does she ever know that? No, knowing this girl, she, she would have no idea who the name of the vice president was yeah, on a good day. On, on her best day, she wouldn't know the answer to that question. So it wasn't terribly helpful. That uh, basically just underscores the fact that you have to have some idea where somebody is to begin with before you can really assess if they've taken an injury. 
I remember... Uh, it was even money whether she knew who the president was. <laughs> yeah. On a good day. On a good day. I remember when I was a kid, one of my brothers took a, a hard slam of the head to the ground in a football game. And we were uh, forced to keep him awake all night, keep talking to him all night long. We couldn't let him fall asleep. And I thought that was really bizarre, because what could possibly be bad about letting the poor injured guy sleep? Turns out... Kinda nothing, but... If somebody is sleeping and he slips into a coma, you don't know about it until you try and wake him up hours and hours later. If it is the kind of injury that has caused bleeding in the brain or blocked a cerebrospinal fluid channel, that pressure is building up, the symptoms are going to develop over time. We weren't keeping him awake because sleep was bad for him. We were keeping him awake so we could continue to assess his condition and know if it was deteriorating. Because frankly, guys, from a prepper standpoint, on the brain function deteriorating because they've had a traumatic brain injury, I got nothing. You generally fix those with surgery. And neurosurgery is not somebody you're going to teach somebody to do in a prepper book on a kitchen table. So basically, what you're saying is, if it's a stuff-hits-the-fan situation where you can get medical help, get medical help. Yeah. If you see significant impairment in cognition or balance or there's nausea and vomiting or there's sleepiness or inability to sleep or sudden swings of mood, any of that stuff, all of that stuff can be signs and symptoms of a brain injury. I'd have a professional look at it, if at all possible. Now, I am not a physician. So this is somebody who knows something about human physiology talking, not an actual physician talking. So don't take it as a medical recommendation. It's not. But I tell you what. If Salty took a hard hit to the head and he said he really had a headache and we're in this uh, nasty situation and I cannot get him to medical care. And he's got a headache and he asks for painkillers. The only one I would consider giving him is acetaminophen. Which is what? Tylenol family? Because most of the other anti-inflammatory headache-type drugs we keep around have blood-thinning properties, which means they discourage blood clotting. No ibuprofen. No aspirin. I would not no. be giving aspirin or ibuprofen. None. Bad. Yeah. No biscuit. Yeah. Bad rover. No biscuit. Yeah. This isn't something you, you the people who give medical recommendations actually talk about much, because what they talk about is bring people to a medical professional, and I'm in on that. Absolutely. This if is, you can do it, I'm this is totally why, in on that. This is why God invented urgent care. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't mess around with, with brain injury. But if it's not possible, that's one of the things preppers have to think about. In that case, I would absolutely not give him any pain medication that had uh, blood-thinning anticoagulant kind of properties. Because if it is bruising in the brain... Keeping the bleeding for going longer is likely to make it worse. If it's already a torn blood vessel in the brain, you're increasing the chance that you cause serious damage before it manages to get itself stopped. It's just not where I'd be going. 
another thing to keep in mind is if somebody has taken a hard hit to the head and had a traumatic brain injury, they are not likely to recover nearly as fast as you think they should or wish they would. Sometimes it takes quite a while. It, it often takes weeks. It sometimes takes months. It occasionally takes years. Uh, there are some small percentage of individuals who will never completely recover faculties after a traumatic brain injury. Now, and it is unpredictable. Here's a good example. In the, uh, in the NFL, back in the day, people would get their bell rung, get their bell rung and have a minor concussion. Hate that expression. And, you know, as long as their thoughts cleared up, they'd put them right back in the game. Yeah. And you are much more likely to re-injure. Uh, when I we posted this story already on 3BY, and an individual who has worked as a coordinator for a support group for people with traumatic brain injury was uh, kind enough to jump in and, and tell us some things about long-term recovery from traumatic brain injury. And the story was not a pretty one as far as long-term lasting damage. Right. And you've got you know guys who've played in the NFL and have had multiple concussions. There's a huge deal now about how what these concussions have done long-term into causing... Um, was CTI? Yeah, uh, CBTI. Yeah, whatever the name of chronic, that is. Chronic. Chronic. Traumatic brain injury, yeah. basically. And basically, CTI. you know, their lives just become a living hell. And yeah, sometimes many, it's no muscular control. Many, very famous football players have killed themselves to, to stop the pain. One of my favorite or players. Or just because it changes mood so much. Know, one of my favorite players ever, Dave Duerson, killed himself because of the because of this and had his brain sent off to be investigated and they did and they found damage exactly what you know you would expect uh, junior Seau, great great guy great great football player killed himself some he- of the moodiness and mood swings and aggression that some of these people experience can be traced to repeated hits to the head and At least it certainly correlates with the kind of injury they've got when you look at them. And a guy like Seau, who was he was considered to be one of the great teammates, uh, a gregarious guy, a guy everybody loved. But he had had several concussions, and so it's a real deal. You don't even have to have concussions to get the cumulative damage that leads to CTBI. Right, well, yeah, but you know, but you, if you're, you're playing a middle linebacker, you're are. playing middle yeah. linebacker in the NFL. But in an age where they don't care about concussions, yeah, you are asking. You're asking for it. Now, in the NFL, they've been doing some things like they've been banning old helmets. They've been developing newer helmets. And that will help some. There's only so much a helmet can do, though. You're having very big, very strong, very fast people colliding with each other on head-on collisions. Well, and, the, and, and there's a new just rule. Not to take there's that. a new rule this year about... Leading with your helmet. It's a penalty to now lead with your helmet for blocking or running. And we'll see how that goes. Bottom line is, though, I don't think most people who haven't been around professional football players or who have, don't have, uh, you know, adult 
friends who are football players uh, at a professional or even a semi-pro level, the high semi-pro level, people don't realize how big they are, how fast they are, how hard they hit. And it's just boom, boom, every play. It's They're big, they're fast, and the, the force of the impact is just so great. We've been shooting on the sidelines, and, you know, we've seen hits that just take the air out of the stadium. They're so yes. hard. And we're and like, like dead? Oh, my God. Don't bother with the ambulance. Just call the funeral home. Uh but it doesn't have to be that big and that dramatic either. We no. Salty and I both have uh, a friend of ours was doing a, a recreational activity where she slipped and hit her head. And she could not drive for over a year because she would have intermittent she bits of nausea and dizziness. Too. And she was wearing a helmet. Yes. It just I, I didn't know if she was wearing a helmet. Yeah, but it was one of those sweat saber things. That was a bad helmet. Yeah. yeah. But at any rate, it was one hit from slipping while doing sports. And she literally could not drive for over a year because of the intermittent bounce, bouts of uh, nausea and dizziness. Yeah. And that she, would was, overcome she was her. getting vertigo problems, too. Yeah. Her, her life completely changed as a result of that one minor slip. Interestingly, with this person, uh, yeah. we're thinking of the same person. We are. She couldn't really do anything. So moving around. Yeah. So she needed a way to, to you know, pass the time and everything. So she stuck, took up doodling and drawing. And now she's a professional artist. Yeah, who turns is, out she was an amazing artist. Has amazing skills. One of the best artists in the, in the in the region. I mean, her work sells for big money. Just simply because she couldn't do anything else yeah. that she was used to doing because all of the stuff was active and she couldn't really and walk around. Mental activity counts too. Uh, sometimes people are incapable of engaging in mental activity. As well as physical activity. Uh, they tell you, after you have hit your head, to not even do things like watch television because it's too mentally activating. What you're supposed to do with yourself when you're not even supposed to read or watch television, other than watching the birds at the bird feeder, which is more mentally stimulating to me than most television is. Fish. I don't really know what you're supposed to do with your time. Fish. Watching fish is more mentally stimulating than most TV, in my opinion. But that's me. Especially our kind of tanks. Yeah. Our tanks, we tend to, we tend to like tough fish. Our tank, if you're in African one of our cichlids. fish tanks, it's a, you're, you're cichlid, in a tough yeah. neighborhood. You know, we're, we're, we're in the, the cichlids, and they, they really beat the snot out of each other. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. Don't expect too much of somebody who's had a head injury for a while, too, and be aware that they are going to be prone to re-injure. The person who posted the comment, who had dealt a lot with TBI patients, had said even the muzzle blast of a firearm is enough to re-injure in some cases. So, there you go. Yeah. We hope you found this of interest, and uh, check out the article. Check out the article. It's already posted, so we're just kind of doing a... uh, a podcast that was a mystery podcast, and she already had something to talk about. So there we are. We'll talk to you next time.